My, my juices flow all the time. Absolutely, absolutely. You know as much as I know. Right now, we've been able to stuff to stuff. The curse is broken. NC State fans, finally. <laughs> finally. Hey, happy Thanksgiving. I mean, that's a triple play. Wolfpack ain't for soft. It ain't for soft people. Get excited. We have another edition of The Law of the Wolf. And get excited because this is a big football game in the triangle this week. It's between NC State and Duke. That's right. The ACC killed this rivalry, but it won't go away because anytime two teams in the triangle get together, it's going to be fun. And anytime we talk about college football here on OG Media, it's brought to you by Wings Over. Go check them out. Wingsover.com. Wings over Raleigh, wings over Chapel Hill, wings over Greenville. Ryan Malley does such a great job. Those sweet chili wings are my personal favorite. Wings wings over Raleigh right there across from UT on Hillsborough Street. Order online, wingsover.com. And then he's got free parking in the back. Go back, pick up those wings, get 50, get 100, you name it. Ryan's got it. Enjoy the games. Waffle fries, tater tots. But one thing I really love about wings over. They do wings and they do wings. They do not screw around with anything else. And that's how you know they do such a great job. Now, let's talk a little bit about NC State's win over Marshall on Saturday because it was eventful. And I'm going to have JC Zumble from NC State Rivals site, which is called Wolfpack Central, join me. Talk a little bit about the what Peyton Wilson said after the game about booing Brendan Armstrong. Were the fans booing Brendan Armstrong? Were they booing Dave Doran and the coaching staff? That's an interesting conversation. We'll talk a little bit about recruiting too with JC. JC, yes, talked me into finally uh, getting into recruiting just a little bit. My, as everyone knows, my one of my least favorite things to talk about. But NC State beats Marshall forty-eight forty-one to improve to four and two on the season. Now they win, need to win two of their final six games to reach a bowl game, which I think would be a, re- a really good season in this year. What I have termed a rebuilding year for the Wolfpack. Three games left at home, three on the road. This game at Duke is the first on the road. A little bit about the win over Marshall. Obviously, everyone wants to talk about MJ Morris. I'm going to talk about Morris here in a second. But I want to point out that the defense, normally in a 48-41 win, you're not going to sit here and and praise the defense. However, I thought Davin Van, who had um, one and a half sacks and forced a fumble. I thought Brandon Cleveland, who had one and a half sacks. And then I thought safety Robert Kennedy who's a guy they got from ODU out of the portal. So let's give Dave credit when we get get those portal hits right. Um, safety, forced to fumble, also had an interception. I thought Kennedy played a really good game. Popped, uh, popped off the tape there on Sunday when I went in for the rewatch. And I think it's important for NC State's defense to be something besides just Peyton Wilson. As great as Wilson has been through the first six games of the season, he needs help. And I, that was one thing I really saw stand out in this game is he was getting help. Uh, I also want to give a little bit of credit to offensive coordinator Robert and I. If you don't have great running backs or, or great skill players, as we talked about in the previous episode, you have to find the ones who can make plays and put them in positions to make plays. I like the wrinkle with Kevin Concepcion. I like how they moved KC around, use him in some jet sweep action, use him in those pop passes. He had 14 targets in this game, and now some of them were those pop passes. The next highest person was four. All right. And you know me, I always tell you, you die with your fastball. KC is their fastball. Get them the ball as much as possible. I really appreciated that wrinkle. 
using him in those jets. He ends up with eight catches, 102 yards, and two scores, including that that late score on the jet to really salt the game away. Now, let's get into a little bit about MJ Morris, who making his first start of the season. I The number one thing that stood out to me about MJ was last year when we saw him come off the bench against Virginia Tech and then start against Wake Forest and then start against Boston College. I thought his number one instinct was to run the football. And that's fine. And I think when you're an outstanding athlete, which which MJ is, you're probably taught, you're probably, hey, like let's make one read or two. If it's not there, pull it down and run. I thought his first instinct last year was just to run, try to make plays with his feet. That's what ultimately ended up getting him hurt, which depending on the different reports, if you want to talk about, he got hurt actually in the weight game. And there were a couple times where he was just popped in that game. So I can understand why he would be bruised up and, and have the knee injury that he did because he was just running the ball too much. I thought it was interesting in this game that he, he really showed no inclination to run the football. Uh, in college football, they're stupid. They include sacks in their rush totals. So if we go by six rushes, six rushing attempts for minus two yards in this game, there were two sacks for minus 16. Take those out, and he ran four times for 14 yards. I think he probably had four design runs in this game. That's not a lot. Let's compare that. and That's by design, okay? Now let's compare this to Brennan Armstrong in the first four games against 1A one one opponents. 19, against, 19 rushing attempts against UConn, 12 against Notre Dame. 15 against Virginia, and then 17 the last time we saw him. Okay? Louisville. 19, 12, 15, and 17 compared to what I what I would say was four in this game. That's a big difference. So I think not only did they sit MJ down and try to teach him and develop him, which kudos to them. You know, there's a lot of talk about, well, they shouldn't have redshirted. They shouldn't have tried to redshirt MJ. I actually think it was still the right decision to make. I think what ended up happening with Brennan was he was trying to do too much. And ultimately, he ended up running too much. And I think you could see that there in those numbers. Like I said, six total attempts, which includes the two sacks for MJ in this game. Brennan's attempts, 19, 12, 15, and 17. There's a world of difference there. And I, I it looked to me like MJ Morris wanted to play quarterback. And to have the success that he did. Now, there were some throws that he got away with in the red zone which he's going to have to clean up, which I'm sure he will on tape. But I loved his, his decisiveness. I love that he identified his best player in Kevin Concepcion and continued to feed his best player. Uh, NC State wins that game 48-41. Marshall, as I told you last week on this program, was not going to be an easy out. Athletic as hell, man. They have some guys, both sides of the football, their quarterback, really impressive. So I like the way that they played the game. I, I, I There was a lot to like if you're a Marshall fan. I want to talk a little bit about Duke, but first I'm going to try to help everyone here in the, in the home buying process. Who, who, who is all for that? I think I can do this all in one shot too, because the first thing you're going to need to do is like, Hey man, what can I, what type of house can I afford? Well, you got to know what kind of mortgage you can afford. So this is what you do. You call Josh Goodson, 252-361-1415. That's Josh Goodson, RTP Mortgage, 252-361-1415. Say, hey, Josh, I'm trying to get into this home buying business. I would like to know what kind of mortgage I can afford. What, what What's going to be my price range here? Or maybe you already have a house. Maybe you have, and, and you know what's going on with the market right now. And you're thinking, man, I could, I could really use um, 
I could really use a cash out refi right now. Well, call Josh. That, that's the best advice I can give you. That's what I do. My mortgage is through RTP Mortgage. That's where my loan is. And anytime I need help, and it might, and and he'll he'll be very honest with you. Hey man, your current rate, I can't. We can't do anything about that right now in this market. Josh is going to be honest with you, and I think that's important. So give him a call 252-361-1415. Again, that's rtpmortgage.com. Big thanks to Josh Goodson. And again, this is where I have to tell you. His NMLS number is 15569995, rtpmortgage.com. Now, once you get yourself into a situation where you realize, hey, you know what I really need now that I, I figured out my loan situation, now what you need to do is go to Hometown Realty. Hometown Realty, that's myhtr.com. Myhtr.com, Barry Woodard and his crew. They've got you covered, okay? Whether you're trying to buy or sell, whether you're in commercial or you're just trying to find a new... You're trying to rent. Rent is is tough right now too. So go to myhtr.com, Barry Woodard and his crew, six locations, more than 250 agents. Can't trust... I can't stress this enough. Don't take some lowball guaranteed offer from one of those national brands out there. Don't try to navigate this market without help. Barry Woodard, Hometown Realty. It's myhtr.com. And then you will need to sell, you will need to close on that house. That's where Josh Whitaker, Joe Amer, Josh Whitaker, big state fan. Love that there's lawyers out there that are state fans. I know it's it's a little bit of a novelty to me. Uh also I've had a minor traffic issue last week that Josh Whitaker is helping me out with. So whether you have something like that. Uh, you're trying to sell a business, whether you got any kind of family law issues, check them out. It's the world's greatest URL, wh.lawyer. Let's talk a little bit about NC State's opponent this week, and that is Duke. Normally, if you've been in this area Depending on how long you've been in this area, right? If you if you've really been in this area a long time, you might remember when Duke was a power. If you're new to this area, you might think, man, Duke hasn't been very good. They did have David Cutcliffe, but now with Mike Elko in his second season, they're 13. Elko's 13 and 5. That's the best start of any of the coaches, including Dabo Sweeney, to their first 18 games. And, you know, I can't say enough good things about the way that they've played this season. Four in one. They do have the toughest schedule in the ACC. They play Clemson, who they've already beaten. They also have Florida State, UNC, and Louisville coming up. I look at Duke, and I, when you think about a team that's well-coached, one of the first things you think of is, well, they don't beat themselves. All right, so let's look at turnover for margin. Turnover margin for Duke, plus three on the season. That's 30th in the country. Not bad. They don't commit a lot of penalties. Oh, look at that. CFB stats. Duke is 10th in the country in fewest penalties this season. You might also say Duke, uh, uh, smart teams, well-coached teams, they protect the quarterback. Yes, they do. Duke this season has only given up four sacks in five games. That ranks among the national leaders. Then Elko's background, which is unusual in today's day and ages, is on the defensive side of the ball. And you're going, well, what, what, you know, mostly we want guys to scheme it up on offense and, and make it work. Nope. Defensive side of the ball, his background was with uh, Dave Clawson, both at Wake Forest and Bowling Green. And that, and then he left the nest there. He went to Notre Dame, 
went to Texas A&M and has, has had success every step of the way. I would encourage you to check out on uh, Ovius and Gilio, the OG podcast, our interview with Mike Elko. Uh, great stuff this week from him. Appreciate him taking some time. Coaches sometimes in, in, in season mode don't, don't want to kind of get into it, uh, but he, he was generous with his time. So check that out on the OG, uh, wherever you get your podcast. And of course, while you're at it, Download, subscribe, rate, all those good things. Five stars only, Law of the Wolf. Defense is his background, and defense is what this Duke's team's strength is. They're 18th in the country in total defense. They're fourth in the country in scoring defense. So you add all of that up, and you're, you're talking about a team doesn't beat itself, takes care of the football. They have an outstanding quarterback, Riley Leonard. You might be saying, Joe, they don't, though, because he got hurt late in their loss to Notre Dame. We don't know what his status will be. High ankle sprain, the way that it looked, it did look worse in person than it sounds like it actually was, according to what Mike told us this week. I don't expect Riley Leonard to play in this football game. Um, I, I, I also don't fundamentally think that will change things for the way that Duke will play in this game. I look at Leonard, and he he's a really good runner. Um, take away those sacks. 43 rushes this year for 331 yards, four touchdowns. He averages seven yards carry. That's a lot for a quarterback when you take out those sack numbers. That's a lot. I think that element it will, will have to be there for Duke against NC State's defense. NC State's defense, don't be fooled by the 41 points last week. I, I think that was a little bit of a mirage. You had a pick six for Marshall's defense and then an interception on State's opening possession in plus territory, which led to also seven points for Marshall. So State's defense is the key here to me. State being able to run the ball is also going to be a key. And this is where Duke's really been uh, outstanding this season. Now, Clemson was able to run the football 213 yards. Notre Dame, to a lesser extent, 159 yards. I don't think State has that type of running game, at least not in Clemson or Notre Dame's class. Here's one that might may or may not raise an eyebrow to you. UConn. UConn had 38 carries against Duke for only 89 yards. That's uh, 2.3 yards per carry. UConn, the same team, had 26 carries, 160 yards against NC State, 6 yards per carry. And I know a lot of people get caught up in, Mike Elko, you're 2. Why are they so far ahead of NC State? Dave Doran, you're 11. I feel like we've been over this many a times. Um, but I do think there is something to that that transitive property there, there with the UConn comparison. Obviously, Duke blew out UConn. NC State had a little bit more of a difficult time with UConn. None of that will matter on Saturday night. Um, it'll be interesting to see how, how Duke comes out after the loss to Notre Dame, but they've also had a week off. And if Henry Bielan is their quarterback, which I expect he will be their backup, how do they rally around him? It's obviously not the same as having Riley Leonard. So there is an opportunity there for NC State, as I mentioned, at four and two now on the season. They need two more games to get to bowl eligibility. We, I feel like I need to create a graphic to, to be tracking all of that, but we'll see how that goes. And uh, I think this is a big challenge for state. These two teams have only played they, these teams, obviously original ACC members played forever. And then the pan, then the uh, expansion in 04 killed this rivalry, put the teams in separate divisions. The, the last two meetings were in 2020 during the pandemic, when the schedule got scrambled state won that game at Carter Finley, Bitter game, blood rival game. I was stunned uh, by the the amount of jawing and trash talking between those two sides in 2020. And then the last time they were in Durham was 2013. 
full 10 years ago, a game that Duke won as they were going on to win the Coastal Division. That team will actually be honored on Saturday night. So we'll see what that looks like. Um, a, a rivalry renewed, if you will. I expect there to be a decent amount of red and state fans in the crowd at Wallace Wade Stadium on Saturday night. Looking forward to the game. Also looking forward to a conversation with my friend JC Zemble from Wolfpack Central, NC State Rivals. We'll do that right after this. All right, joining me now on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline for the first time, my friend, JC Zemble, Wolfpack Central, NC State's Rivals site. JC, you've, you, you've made it. Congratulations. I've arrived, you know, just had post-media scrum, got my breeze through drink, and I'm uh, on the pod. What more uh, could you want in life? You're the best. You're the best. Only thing, only thing left was if I could have gone to the butcher's market. Uh, it's one of your spots, though, now, isn't it? It is a go-to. All right. Well, you know, I, I appreciate uh, your friendship and your loyalty here to the OG Media Company, for sure. And I, I was curious. Uh, I want to play the clip that you uh, procured because there's no press conferences anymore. There, there, there's Zooms, and we can get into that another day here on, on the <laughs> podcast. But I, I thought the clip that you played of uh, Peyton Wilson after Saturday's win was, I, I, I let's just play it, and then you and I can talk a little bit about it, because I took the booing to be one thing, but maybe you can enlighten me here. So you know me with technology. So let's just see if I can do this without Joe Obese's help. Well, I love Wolfpack Nation to death. Do not get me wrong. I love them to death. They're the best fans in the country. And I love MJ. He plays some of the, he plays some of the best ball from a quarterback that I've seen at this school today. But we got to stop booing Brendan. He is a hard nose. He is a great person. Just imagine if that was your kid, you know, out there on that field in front of 70,000, you know, let's get behind him, Wolfpack Nation, when he's in there. He's a good-hearted kid. I mean, loves God. I mean, he does nothing but pat everybody on the back and play hard for us every single day. So continue to uplift him, Wolfpack Nation. I love him. He defends his teammate. We, we can both agree that, that that's a good thing, right? All right. I, I thought it was one of the best things I've seen on uh, the NC State beat over the last 16 years. And I think it also showed another thing that people haven't really talked at all about. Mm -hmm. This is what a sixth-year player looks like. This is what a six-year player six-year player should play like. But this is the leadership of a six-year player. Now, maybe Peyton Wilson would have done this two years ago, but we know it's a lot different psyche for a 19, 20, 21 year old to do something that he did compared to whatever he is, whatever age he is now, and the stature that he has now. So from that standpoint, you know, I, I was just really impressed with Peyton. Um, now, I've seen all the debates on, you know, what what the booing meant. And that's what I'm guessing you and I will be talking yeah. about. But from the Peyton standpoint, I just yeah. thought it was tremendous leadership and also showed that's what an older player is like, you know. And obviously it took some injuries in the COVID year to, to get to this point. You know, Thayer Thomas probably would have been like that a little bit last year if it ever, you know, happened. But there is a big difference between um, four-year guy versus six-year guy. Great point. And I totally agree with you. Great, A great piece of leadership there from Peyton Wilson after NC State's win over Marshall. Now, obviously Peyton inter interpreted as Brennan being booed. 
How did you interpret it in real time at the game on Saturday? Because for me, I thought it was more of the fans booing the coaching staff and the decision to take MJ out in a situation where let, let's be honest here. I mean, the game was hardly in control and in their pockets. Like there, it, it did seem like they were screwing around a little bit by maybe getting a little bit too cute. So how did you take the booing in real time? I took it as Brennan getting booed. You did. Yeah, I did. Um, now you could also say that coaches were getting booed too at the same time. You know, I'm, I'm not against that either. I don't think it's an either or I think there's a lot more nuance. You know, in this case, he was booed jogging onto the field. Okay. You know, if this was Lex Thomas, the other backup quarterback jogging on the field, he probably doesn't get booed. Now, I think smart people understood that if there was a role for Brendan Armstrong moving forward, red zone, short yardage would be the ideal role, you know, in terms of he's just a really good runner. Yeah. Um, I and they're do this. last week yeah. for him to play running back to be uh, in with MJ they're, they're they're you know that could be one of the creative things that happens you know where where maybe he is a fullback and he's in the backfield with everybody and you know they can be creative like that who knows you know they'll, they'll tinker maybe during the bye week but in terms like it didn't surprise me when they got to the five yard line that Armstrong came out yeah. so maybe fans were surprised but I wasn't and when we're talking fans you know all it takes is like a 10 percent of the stadium or 20% of the state. This wasn't like the entire stadium. Sure. You know, it wasn't the entire Wolfpack Nation. I don't think, you know, NC State fans should get um, blanketed with, a, you know, overall. But a small percentage, obviously, were very vocal. But it's also the same group that was very vocal to wanting him bench the previous weeks. Yeah. And, you know, you and I don't know how much you've thought about it, but I've tried to think like when a, a particular athlete got singled out. Now, we've seen booing. Usually in football, it happens when a team is getting blown out or when a coach doesn't punt, you know, or coach punts instead of goes for it. Yes. Or a coach isn't aggressive in the last minute of the, you know, before half time. Yeah. You know, and there is clear booing about the coach or whatever, offensive coordinator, how you want to describe it. We've seen plenty of booing over yeah. the last 15 years at PNC Arena. <laughs> You know, so, but I don't remember, you know, I remember like, like there's been players who maybe get beat up on social media or message boards, you know, and, but I don't remember how many times like a player got singled out and I just felt, you know, Brennan got singled out and I don't think I'm alone in terms of, of that. And clearly NC State people felt that way too. And, you know, the other part that impressed me about the whole Payne Wilson thing is he took people may not have understood the context like it was a 20 minute or a 20 second break between the end of his press conference mm -hmm. it could have easily gone right to the next player but because there was a little bit of delay for whatever reasons on their zoom in terms of going to the next player that was going to talk to the media Peyton Wilson purposely went back 20 seconds later to want to say what he said which that that told me something like you know, he didn't say it during his press conference. This was after he wasn't asked about it. Yeah, he wasn't okay. asked about it. He didn't bring it up on his own. But then after it ended, 20 seconds go by, and he's like, you know what? This is really bothering me. So he went back to the Zoom to say what he said. Mm -hmm. that, that told me something. Like, like that, had, that told me that it, had, it was weighing on his mind for, you know, who knows how much. 
And he was probably debating, do I do this or not? And he just like, you know what? I'm doing it. Because he could have easily kept on moving. And oh, then sure. Eric could have done the Zoom. And, and you know, there's no Peyton Wilson doing any of this. As you know, in the press box, it's hard to hear what the crowd is doing. Yes. It, it's 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 a a little bit of a sterile environment up there. So, it's not like Clemson. Right. So the Louisville game, I was in the stands for the Louisville game, and I heard in the first quarter the student section chanting for MJ Morris, which I don't know if you picked that up up in the press box in the Louisville game. N- not as much. Okay. And, you know, I mean, the, there's there's no question. The backup quarterback is always going to be the most popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we know that. <laughs> um, you know, now you and I, we grew up in an era of do you boo college athletes? Right. Now, I have always felt that you could be critical or hard or whatever way you want to term it as a media person. Like, you know, they they deserve to be. I covered, I would cover a college athlete pretty much the same way I'd cover an NFL athlete. But the difference is, you know, obviously all these years, quote unquote, didn't get paid. Do you, how, you know, you don't go below the belt. You don't do sure. certain things. And, and the same thing for fans. You don't boo college athletes. Now, what I do wonder in this new modern world, how much does things change because of NAL? How much do things change if there's a point? And I don't think the point has been there yet. Maybe a couple teams or a handful of teams. But when a fan looks out there on the field, it's like, okay, yeah, there's like 15 guys that are getting like more than I make in a year. You know, then I wonder, does things change? But I don't think we've reached that point yet. Well, I, I one thing I caught on the rewatch was first of all, Evan Lepler, play by play guy for CW, saying that there would be a package for Armstrong. This is where I think you know some of the messaging comes. Whereas good for an eye today to say that there will be a package for Armstrong. Some people are like ready for some of this stuff. And I'm one by I mean people, I mean the state fans who are clearly caught up on this one. But the thing I did also I caught on the rewatch was the fans cheering for Morris. When he went back in the game, yeah, which maybe to your point is more of a player to player reaction rather than the fans reacting to the coaching decision itself. And and I've always, here's my rule of thumb on a lot of things. You know, we've always seen the player who gets the penalty, right? 15 yards. People are debating. Did he do it? Did he not? And I always go back to the same thing. Will he do it again? Yeah. And usually the answer nine times out of 10 that hit, that whatever, that so-called dirty play, the answer is no, he wouldn't do that again. And that kind of tells you what you need to know about what that penalty was. I don't think NC State fans will boo Brandon Armstrong when he comes out on the field at the next home game. Because I think they've learned, like, hey, like if this affects the team, if this makes us look bad, if the players or coaches don't like it, then I think the rule of thumb is, okay, they won't do it again. Now, if they do do it again, Okay, you know, you know, there'll probably be some ramifications, but you know, the tricky thing with booing is, you know, you're you're basically telling recruits who are watching the game, like, oh, this is how they treat a player. You know, there's a lot of that too, where I know you don't like recruiting much, but you know, these guys they watch, you know, and trust me, they love it when the crowd chants their name. If Jonathan Paler goes to an NC State game and they start chanting Paler loves it you know and that doesn't cost a cent to to get done if if a play a recruit comes and wants to get it, someone asks to get their picture taken you know stuff like that 
they love that. Yeah. Now they're also watching like, whoa, look at Wolfpack Nation. You know, they're they're killing Brennan Armstrong out there. And I think you and I both know what what in the big picture, you know, Brennan was supposed to be the transitional quarterback. Right. He wasn't. He wasn't yeah. I don't I never considered him the savior. Okay. Now, I know I had an entire offseason of people thinking he'd be like 2021. But, you know, to me, there was just way too much difference between Virginia 2021 compared to NC State 2023. So, you know, to me, I think Brennan could have played better, but like I don't I don't kill Brennan for what he did out on the field like some people do. Like I, I just kind of see him as a guy that, you know, you put him at some other school, he'd probably be a better fit at a different school and get the ball out. You know, I was giving an example because Devin Leary in Kentucky, you know, everybody's talking about how they got killed at Georgia. Um, if Devin Leary say had reunited with Eli Drinkwitz. So we're really going into the weeds of Wolfpack Nation. Yeah. Yes. If Devin Leary had reunited at Missouri with, with Eli Drinkwitz, the guy who recruited him, but then left, uh, I believe, before Leary arrived, right? I don't think they ever actually overlapped. Right. He'd have Luther Burden to throw to. And, right. and you know, a hardcore college football fan knows who Luther Burden is. He was the fourth best player coming out of high school. He's a true sophomore. He has 50-some catches, over 700 yards, and he's a monster. You know, so... Yeah, life would have been a lot different if Devin Leary had picked Missouri and had Luke, you know, yeah. Luke Burn to throw. And then the other receiver, oh, by the way, transferred in from Oklahoma. Not so, bad. you know, but now this week, Missouri plays Kentucky, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. But it just shows you it's a very fine line with the fit when you're a transfer quarterback. And Brennan Armstrong obviously put a lot of faith in, in Robert and I, and it did not work out, you know, and one thing I'd love to ask Brennan if I ever get to talk to him ever again, because you never know with how the media world works these days. Right. The way they've really gone out of their way to praise and how he's handled everything. I mean, they have been over the top with praise the last week. I wonder if he wants to get into coaching. Could be. You know, yeah. because a guy who does want to get into coaching, they handle it a little different than the guy who's seeing his dreams get crushed right in front of him in the middle of the senior season. Yeah. You know, and it also goes back to, you know, Armstrong's in his sixth year of college. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is a different dynamic, but he still had pro dreams, you know, sure. and obviously he's dealing with the, the difficulty of that, but I do kind of, I'm just kind of generally curious. Does he want to get into coaching? Because if he does, you know, this might be really good for him because it taught him a very valuable lesson that he'll have to, you know, carry out in some way, some form over the next 40 years of his, you know, coaching life. I have a recruiting. I actually do have a recruiting question for you that I'm interested in. Yeah. And do you want to make a prediction? That doesn't involve Chris Sims or something. No, uh, I, I want to take a break real quick though. Do you want to make a prediction on the Duke state game? You I know, I haven't made one that. publicly yet because it's so tricky with the quarterback situation. Okay. Um, I think if Riley Leonard is is healthy. Oh, whoa, this is not how teases work, JC. I know, I know. Hold the phone over there. Hold but, the phone. All right. Listen, <laughs> let me tell oh, you. We want to do a tease after the break. I mean, a prediction after sure. the break. Okay. Yes. We're, I got to teach you everything. Hey, man, I thought in the podcast world, you didn't have to do teases anymore. That's what OBS was talking about. Big Listen. differences between 
pod versus rushing the ads for radio. We're not rushing anything. We're taking our time here. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. I'm going to ask you a recruiting question, and then I'll make a prediction since apparently you're, 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 you've gone soft. No, I got a feel for it. I just right. I got a neither or. Okay, hang on. If you want to be in the best swag, whether it's NC State or Duke, Campbell, you name it, East Carolina, you name it. They have it. Homefield Apparel. It's homefieldapparel.com. Here's the best news. Use that promo code right there. Right there. OG23. Use the promo code OG23. Get 15% off of your first order. Then you're going to get other offers in the mail. 20% off. You name it. You're going to get a great variety, a great quality, the softest hoodies you could ever see. Great creations. Check out the one, the most recent one they released for NC State. Go to Homefield Apparel. Dot com. Use that promo code OG23. And yes, the game is in Durham this week, but we're going to be out at the Breeze Through on Wednesday doing the show live from there. Breeze Through has you covered wherever you go this football and hockey season and basketball season because they're right there in Raleigh, right across from the arena, Edwards Mill Road and Trinity. Come see us on Wednesday. Adam Stevenson. And his crew, they do an unbelievable job. Coffee, snacks, ice, beer. The beer cave is where we'll be doing the show from. So go check them out. It's breeze through for all of your needs this season. And of course, this podcast would not be possible without Hayes, Lancaster, Mosquito Authority, Pest Authority. Do me a favor. Go to bugsbite.com. Punch in your zip code. You're going to see all kinds of offers because Hayes believes in his work and there are no contracts. So you're going to be able to save a bunch of money on your 2024 treatments. Go to bugsbite.com and tell them the OG sent you. Hayes really is and the OG OG. I would not be here right now without Hayes Lancaster Mosquito Authority. Pest Authority can't thank him enough. Uh, we are also on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline. Bennett Johnson and his team won the OG Golf Classic, the inaugural OG Golf Classic. Also had a chance to play in the SAS Media Day with John Heaster last week. So do me a favor. Get off Keister, Get down to Heaster. If you need any kind of car help, the Heaster Automotive Group there is there for you. Now we're back on the Heaster Automotive Group hotline with J.C. Zemble, Wolfpack Central, NC State's rival site. J.C., you, you have anything you would like to plug here while I have you well, you're so kind to take your time today on Law of the Wolf with me. No, just uh, you know, simple stuff. I mean, obviously, we're we're out there on the Twitter world. We we're all about the threads. Same same handle, okay. um, Instagram. Um, NC State Rivals. That's the name of it. Yeah, pretty much for, okay. for almost uh, almost everything. Um, under my own name, JC Zumble, is pretty much all the recruiting videos that I've amassed over the last couple of years. Um, which is extensive nearly yeah nearly any good player in the state of north carolina in football or basketball uh, almost all of them um under the nc state rivals um or the wolfpacks that's yeah, probably under nc state rivals um you can find all the pretty much all the nc state specific things i kind of wanted to keep it separate that way if people wanted to just see the press conferences or the interviews or different things that are very nc state specific um you know there that's all out there on youtube but uh, none. I mean, in terms of prediction, I, I thought of Riley. Whoa, Leonard. whoa, whoa! whoa. We still We're still not easy. there yet. Man, <laughs> it's the longest tease in the history of the I, world. 
no, I have a recruiting question for you for the first time in the history of this podcast. I'm actually interested in a recruit. Tell okay. me because I feel like I feel like the first year of NIL, NC State didn't know what they were doing. And that they spent money on really most people don't know they had to pay Chandler Zavala because they didn't have a scholarship for him. Jack Chambers was in a similar situation the previous year. And then obviously you had Drake Thomas, Thayer Thomas, Peyton Wilson. I don't know what they did with the receiver at up from Maryland. Uh, I don't know if they ended up paying him or not. But this year you look at it, you're like, okay, Dylan McMahon was a guy. Peyton Wilson, obviously, Brandon Armstrong is a guy. Uh, I would assume Dawson Jaramillo from Oregon was a guy that they had to throw a couple dollars to to get here. MJ Morris, but not a recruiter. MJ Morris to keep it now. Obviously, Kevin Concepcion is going to be on the list. But I felt like this recruiting class was the first time, the one that we're going to see, where Dave Doran went to the collective and said, hey, this is where I would like to focus. And Jonathan Paler, the receiver from Burlington, tell me a little bit about this player because it feels like he is the star of that recruiting class. It feels like that's, well, I mean, I hate to say he'll be the highest paid player on the team, but I kind of sort of get the feeling he's going to be the highest paid player on the team. And I, I want to know about these guys. So, I, you know, when I get on the OG podcast, I know what the heck I'm talking about since, you know, I won't see him before he gets here and I won't see him until the opener next year. That means. So tell us a little bit about Jonathan Baylor. So Jonathan Paler was good enough to get offered in June following his freshman year of high school. Okay, and, that's, high school. and that's rare in football. Yeah, in football. Okay. And that, it's pretty rare. There was only a couple players that cycle. The other one was Jack Larson, who uh, ended up picking Notre Dame as a tight end. You know, there was just a, couple, a, a few guys, we'll say, that okay. got offered as freshman that early. He was one of them. Good enough for me to go see probably September, October of his sophomore year. And I knew he just knew, you know, he's one of those guys who was gifted enough where if he wanted to be a college cornerback, he could he wants to be a college wide receiver. He could, you know, I've been to his track meets. I've got actually good plug. Uh, Jonathan Paler and Burlington Cummings are playing junior commit Gus Ritchie, who flipped from UNC to NC state, the tight end uh, prospect in 2025 from Pittsburgh Northwood. They're playing each other. So we got a little Gus Ritchie against Jonathan Paler. It's a game that's been hyped up for a while, and it should be fun this Friday night. So in the in the world of Gilio, Paler would be worthy enough of a yellow pad. Okay. You would be, in, in theory, this is how I would use him if I was offensive coordinator. We'll see what NC State does. Sure. But in my world. You're not the biggest dude in the history of the world. In my world, I would be lining him up in different spots, different locations different, whatever you want to call it, different positions. He could play outside as a receiver. He could be in the slot. You could line him up at running back. You could even possibly do a wildcat with him if you wanted to. He could be the punt returner. He could be the kick returner. Um, you know, you could do all the jet sweeps and all the... Are you going to compare to my favorite player of all time right now? I'm just saying that he only he's he's doing it in a 185-pound body. Okay. Like he's a very muscular 5'9", 185. Now, to bring it back to another favorite player in the world of Gilio, you know, he doesn't play the same way as Naeem Hines in terms of in okay. high school. Yeah. But there's a lot of similarities. He's They're that explosive. Guys. They're both track guys. They He's both that explosive. Hmm? He's that explosive as an yeah. athlete? Yes, he is. 
Wow. You know, he's like a he's not as fast as Naheem. I think Naheem is a tick or two sure. fast, but he was like, you know, Paler, I think, ran like 10.65 in the state meet last year. Okay. Um, he has huge hands. So now obviously oh, some oh. of the same plays that Concepcion just got, you know, who gets them, right? You know, between Concepcion and, and Paler. But you know, to me, he's a yellow pad guy, he's a dynamic guy. You know, it shows the the age of us where when I interviewed Naheem, who I saw extensively at Garner High, you know, he would talk about Tavon Austin, you know, <laughs> the G. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he would talk about Percy Harvin. Okay. All the, you know, eight years later, you know, Paler's talking about Tyreek Hill, Debo Samuel. Okay. okay. You know, now the one difference between the two, between Hines and Paler, is obviously Hines was always a natural running back. I mean, when he was at the G, I mean, it was – I'd watch him get the ball 20 to 30 times at tailback, and he was a natural tailback. Now, I think it's been forgotten in NC State land that State tried him at slot receiver yeah. his first two years. Yeah, Matt Taves was there, so they tried he to get him. Was, I don't think he was natural at it, um, but he, he was, he was workmanlike. But then I think it just was obvious, like, well, his instincts at running back, you know, we just got to keep him healthy. Well, I, I think Paler on the high school level, you know, he can get the 15 carries at tailback and he'll shred teams. There's no question about it. And the only reason I wouldn't say get 15 carries in the backfield in college is those guys hit hard. You know, so sometimes you don't want your star player to get hit too hard. Yeah. Um, so that's why I like him moving around ultimate chess piece. You know, Gilio can get the, the the yellow pad out and put, you know, a little like, oh, he lined up here. He lined up there. He lined up here. That's how I would use him. Um, but State's not had that type of dynamic outside, you know. I mean, they've had good players, you know. Right. But, you know, and, and Hines was a very dynamic home run hitter at running back, but not so much as a slot receiver. So, like, in a way, this is like a new toy, and that's why he was – I literally had him, like, going into his junior year, the number one must-get offensive player for NC State recruiting. And then it's funny because the number one defensive player they also got, um, Brody Barnhart, who's got a lot of Tanner Engel in him, in him at safety. And the thing that's kind of weird about uh, NC State's recruiting class coming up you know, Jalen Coyd and Kevin or Kevin Concepcion, they're gifted return guys. We haven't seen Kevin do it yet. Um, obviously, Julian Gray has become one of the best return guys in the ACC. But they have some guys, and no one talks about special teams when it comes to recruiting, but they really do have some dynamic, you know, return guys in this class coming up where it's not just one or two or three. Like, it's like four or five or six. So, um, I what think one returning and big returning well taken care of for quite a while in Raleigh. <laughs> Look at you sneaking in extra recruiting news. Well, um, you know, it's all about complimentary football, Joe. And if the return game sets up the offense well, then they'll be fine. Kind of flows along. All right, let's get out of here on a prediction. Uh, I I have mine. Would you like me to make mine? Since since you seem to be hesitant to to jump into this pool. No, I'm not hesitant. I just think Duke wins if Riley Leonard is totally healthy. And I think Duke will lose if he's not. Really? Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. The, I don't know a lot about the quarterback that obviously is the new guy. I heard your interview with Mike Elko. Yeah. And I like the thought that when it came to Hail Mary time, they put him in. 
Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that could be interesting for the NNO moving forward, uh, the new Duke quarterback went to Cardinal Hayes in the Bronx. Yeah. Uh, the new future star for UNC basketball is, was at Cardinal Hayes in the Bronx for three years, Ian Jackson. Okay. Who, uh, who's two years from now, um, not, not, or one year from now, I should say. He won't be playing at UNC this year, but just kind of funny that two guys from Cardinal Hayes in the Bronx end up in the triangle. Yeah, end up in the triangle, play, potentially playing big roles for their respective schools. Um, you know, so, but, you know, we've seen this enough. Now, could he go all Jamie Newman and be Wake Forest and, and get that first start and then, you know, ruin NC State's night like that happened? Possible. But how many times have we seen the backup quarterback go against NC State? And especially with Tony Gibson as defensive coordinator with all the blitzes and different angles and different things that he does. Um, you know, Tony Gibson's the only probably defensive coordinator in the country who could give up 35 and nobody blinks an eye about it this past week because – you know, it was a, kind of a weird 35, I guess you would call it. But well, I mean, the you know, interception. Yeah. You know, I mean, there was 14. Yeah, points, I say 35, know. not 41, because, you know, the, the pick. Well, that, I think it was more like 28 then. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, that's how I kind of look at it. But it's not how know, the podcast world works. You're giving me a hedge here. Hey, that's uh, what happens when the star quarterback gets hurt. <laughs> He's not playing. He's not playing in this football game. My, I've my, got, gut, my gut instinct says a high ankle sprain. You don't come yeah. back that fast. There's but no reason to. I just give Duke all the credit in the world because I remember being at. Well, I was at. No, was I at Wallace Wade? No, I think I was in Chapel Hill, uh, helping out Duke rivals, and uh, when I was coming off of leukemia, and man, it was it was not even fair what was going on between UNC and Duke. Yeah, that year and. You know, it was just kind of that whole season ended up just looking sad, you know, as the, as the last swan, swan song for Cutcliffe. And to think that they bounced back the way they did last year, you know, and impressive. And it's funny in that that game back, uh, you know, when UNC played Duke, it was Jordan Moore quarterback that people were talking about, you know, but that was kind of like the 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 sneaky thing about Duke's renaissance is that. Riley was able to solidify the quarterback spot, which then led to Jordan Moore being one of the best receivers. I've got Duke winning this football game, regardless of quarterback, 21-13. Duke 21, NC State 13. We'll we'll see how that goes. Big, bigger question now. Yeah. Percentage of red in the stands. Uh, I think there'll be a good amount. There always is. I think there'll be a good amount over there. Say it again. 40%? Uh, 30. I'll say 30. I'll say a third because um, I feel like Duke's running a little bit hot right now. When that happens, I, I feel like they get a little bit more support yeah. than they normally would. Uh, Duke has team. the greatest home schedule in the history of Duke, I'm sure. Yeah, they here. really do. They really they got a great They got a great home schedule. Not, Jim, not in terms of how, you know, just in terms of how much attendance they'll get. Sure, yeah. sure. J.C. Zumble, Wolfpack Central, NC State Rivals. Appreciate you coming on, spend some time with me on Law of the Wolf. We'll do this again. Oh, of course. All right. Especially during basketball. You know, I can't wait to get that recruiting knowledge from you. Well, you know, as Kevin will tell you, it's all about the portal. So the, the basketball recruiting knowledge okay. might happen more in April and May these days. All right. Well, JC, check them out. Wolfpack Central, NC State rivals. JC, appreciate you. And I'll see you soon at an NC State game. And we'll see how my prediction does too. Sure. Thanks, JC.
Thank you. The Wolfpack ain't for soft, it ain't for soft people.